This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. This is episode 116. And if it is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week is Reagan Bush, the vocalist of the band Chat Pile. I am so excited we got to talk. I am a huge fan of this record. The album is called God's Country. I first caught wind of this band because they have a split seven inch with the band Portrayal of Guilt and their side of it just completely blew my mind. It like harnesses, oh, I don't even know. Like it's sort of like Bleach era Nirvana vocally, but it's like real grimy. I don't know. This band just completely blew me away. And I love this record. It's one of my favorites of the year. So it was really awesome getting to talk to Reagan. And um, turns out we have a lot in common. We have a lot of uh, musical tastes that we both uh, we both really gravitate to and some you might not expect. Um, before we get there, though, I want to let you know that there's a bonus episode available right now. If you head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where Reagan answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. That is a thing that happens here. You can uh, subscribe and get access to all the previous bonus episodes, plus a whole lot more. One more time, that's patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. And hey, if you have not subscribed to the show on Spotify or Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this, please do so. Leaving a positive rating and review, that helps a lot. I really appreciate it. And hey, I should probably mention that I am currently on tour. My band Touche Amore is supporting the Menzingers right now. We are also out with the Screaming Females, who are fucking awesome. Uh, this episode is coming out on Wednesday, which means tonight we are in Boston. It'll be the uh, the second night we're playing at Paradise. Uh, Friday, we're going to be in Cincinnati at Bogarts. Saturday in Louisville at the Mercury, Mercury Ballroom. And then uh, Sunday in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, we take about five days off from the tour to uh, to handle all the Thanksgiving business. Um, Touche is going to be headlining two shows, though. We're going to be headlining Monday in Cleveland and uh, Tuesday in Pittsburgh. Cleveland at May Halls, Pittsburgh at Spirit Hall. And uh, both those shows are with Frail Body and Heavenly Blue, two fantastic screamo bands. Uh, after that, we meet back up at the Menzingers with two nights at Union Transfer in Philly and so on. Head on over to touchamore.com slash tour to see all those dates. 
Uh, okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with Reagan Bush. What's up, Ray? It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks yeah, for having is, me on. Of course. This is awesome. I got to say, uh, my introduction to you, and I'm curious, actually, if this um, was maybe an entry point for a lot of people with Chat Pile was the split with uh, Portrayal of Guilt. Um, that was my first introduction to your band. And uh, that song, the Brutal Truth song, like, completely blew me away. Like, completely blew me away. And it was, like, fun to sort of, like, try to figure out maybe what the influences in your band are and like i don't know i was just so fascinated by it and i think that's one of the coolest things that you could ever get from a split seven inch when maybe you're getting something for one side and then you're introduced to the other side did mm -hmm. you did you see an uptick in like um i guess uh interest in your band after that split had come out absolutely i mean it was really nice of portrayal to include us on that uh yeah, that helped us a lot because it. I don't think anyone that was really listening to Portrayal of Guilt was, we were on their radar. So it opened up a kind of a new fan base, I think, you know, we were kind of more like only noise rock kind of old head guys were really in our band until that point. And it like more like metal people, general metal audience kind of got into our band at that point. Yeah, it, it really, even though that song is like one of our least metal songs it's more of like kind of a we kind of uh, somebody in the band i think luther manhole calls it refers to it as the nirvana song you know it's it's is sort of it's very nirvana e sounding like incesticide like that something like that would be on that or something that i'm so glad to hear you say that because that's legitimately where my brain went with it where i was like this remind like vocally this song in particular reminds me of like when kurt would do the very unhinged like uh you know hairspray queen style yeah. vocal and you know it's it's fun to sort of figure that out but it's almost like reaffirming to hear you say that that could <laughs> could have been in there a little bit and oh yeah the riff riff wise too like super nirvana y absolutely i think nirvana is one of the few bands that we all like you know i think sonic youth nirvana and maybe rage against the machine are like the three bands that we all agree on and otherwise somebody in the band doesn't like we you know whatever else everyone likes but yeah. no it, it's funny when you do hear those lists of like the what we all agree on it always completely illustrates the sound as much as it could also have no sonic similarities at all yeah. you know i've heard uh, you know i've heard people mention corn with your band as well you know like some sonic stuff with corn um like it's interesting to hear that and i think i saw a tweet where you also kind of confirmed that that is a bit of an influence too yeah uh Austin, or stan dang it <laughs> i'm slipping <laughs> stan runs our twitter and uh yeah he is a massive corn fan it's his favorite band really him, years ago we took the corn challenge which is just we played chess with each other and listened to the entire discography of corn because he has it all on vinyl and <laughs> i'm not kidding it's crazy oh my god so uh I've I've listened to every corn album up until a point. There's probably a few newer ones I haven't heard at this point. Sure. I like that you've deemed it the corn challenge, and I like that chess is involved in it. That it's you have to plead be playing chess and then listen to their entire discography on vinyl. Yeah. Oh, I love chess. It's me and Austin kind of Stan, dang it. Me and Stan 
<laughs> we we kind of we kind of bonded over. I mean, we were already friends and stuff, but it definitely deepened our friendship when we realized that we both longed to play chess and that we could we could you know it's like oh let's play chess together and stuff. We haven't done it in a while, but I do okay. love chess. I, I'm really into it. That's awesome. Uh, so I mean, let's let's go back. Let's start with some of this stuff. So your is your entire band from Oklahoma? Yeah. Um, I think Stan and Ron, Captain Ron, who are brothers, they were possibly born in different states. And I was born in Illinois, for instance, but most of our formative years and into now we've lived in Oklahoma. I've lived in Oklahoma for all but one year of my life, you know, and I think, I think Luther Manhole lived in New York for a, a short time when he was 20 or 19 or so, or maybe a little younger than that. And, uh, but yeah, we're we're basically Oki to the core. Okay, and was are, are, and I don't know if I I don't think I know this. Are you in like Tulsa? Or are you in Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City. Okay, cool. Um, man, I that's one of my favorite cities. Truthfully, like within really? like especially in the middle of the U.S. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've always had great memories. I've always had I, I have had some like longtime friends from there. I don't know if you ever knew a band called Destroyer Destroyer. They were like, yep. uh-huh. yeah uh like i partied those... with those guys way back when is that right yeah yeah i know all those guys yeah i mean uh the band i played in before the one i'm currently in uh toured with them and just like yeah like uh and i know some of those dudes have worked at the conservatory that now what's yeah. that, that place is just called like an address now or is it it's it still around it's called 89th street collective there you go which uh i mean it is what it is. We all just call it 89th, or I do, you know, and most people I know do. Conservatory, I mean, to be fair, it was called the Green Door. And so everybody thought the conservatory was like a weird, like... So it went through multiple names. You know, and then people got used to it. And so also then people were like, 89th Street, that sucks. But now it's just like, yeah, 89th, that's fine. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that was always a spot that whenever I'd come to... T- oh, actually, either that or... Uh- bad grannies yeah yeah i played some shows there i actually saw this band or kind of obscure champagne urbana band called hank do you know them no i saw i saw them at bad grannies and it was a life-changing going back to chess watching this kid teddy play guitar i really felt like i was witnessing bobby fisher play chess or something it was like it was the most amazing just uh, it was insane he was singing lead and playing just like this extremely complicated math rock shit it was it was awesome anyway wow sorry <laughs> that's what bad grannies always reminds me of though oh that's super cool uh does that store still exist is it still around i mean I don't it know does if doing... yeah are they still doing shows uh-uh the, uh. the bar next door scorecards which to be fair was there when 16th street was like a haunted scary street with no lights on or anything any businesses scorecards has been there but <laughs> they also are like mean and hate outsiders and they're they hate noise and stuff like that. And so no more shows. The time came. Grannies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean, that was always such a nice place to rely upon for for like, you know, especially like uh the band I play in, like the first ton of times we came through Oklahoma, you know, like we'd be lucky if we drew 40 people or something like that so it was mm-hmm. like the perfect atmosphere because the room is so small that yeah if 30 people are there you're like holy fuck this shit's packed <laughs> you know yeah no totally we got a new <laughs> venue called the sanctuary here that's a diy all ages space that is oh. it's a, a 
a, a an upgrade, honestly, but like sort okay. of a similar atmosphere to Bad Grannies. So oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. that's well, I'm glad to hear that the store is still open and that you know, like maybe the pandemic didn't make them have to close or or anything like that. So that's nice to hear. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a beloved. It's kind of an institution at this point. It's been around for 15 years or so. Bad Grannies has. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> So, okay, well, let me ask you, the, the, the first question I usually ask uh, musicians when they come on the show is, when was the first time that you felt like, uh, you know, you were connecting with music, you know, like maybe something that wasn't being played in the house, but something that you found on your own that maybe feel like it gave you an identity? Okay. Um, this is sort of a left field answer, but one of Love the it. first songs that really got stuck in my head that certainly my parents didn't endorse necessarily, but they didn't keep me from it either. Was Rump Shaker by Rex and Effects? It's my favorite answer we've had yet. Uh, <laughs> that just all I want to do is a zoom zoom. zoom just zoom. that would get stuck in my. I remember singing that at soccer when I was like seven, and just being like, "I like the way you comb your hair." It just like got stuck in my head. I don't know. I like loved that song. Yeah. I was, as a kid, my my neighbor was two years older than me. He's like my best friend when I was a little kid, and his parents were into country and his sister was into rap and hip hop and stuff. And so he made me two mix mixtapes that were sort of my entry into music. And one was like country hits. It was like boots, scootin' boogie, honky tonk, Superman, like that kind of shit. <laughs> and the other one was like Tennessee, gin and juice, uh, rump shaker slam Bionics. They were all made by like an eight-year-old, so they were about seven songs deep on each tape, you know? <laughs> right. But I listened to them over and over again, both of those tapes. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, was there ever any music being uh, like uh, like your, your folks or anyone you were raised with? Like were any of them musicians? Yeah, my mom uh, played in a band like pretty seriously and then continues to this day. My mom is uh 75 she plays handbells at church and she has forever and she's she's in like at, at my church they have like an elite squadron of like the true musicians and it's like this four women basically i think it's kind of clicky maybe i don't i'm not sure though yeah uh and she's been part of that like for they're like the they're like yeah the elite super soldiers of the handbell choir <laughs> and they're playing like double bells and stuff like that so yeah i mean that's more what my mom, my mom's musical interests, like popular music and stuff is more like sixties, like even like pre Beatles. Like I okay. remember her singing like Bebop Alula, like by Gene Vincent and stuff. That was like a, a big song that my mom would just sing all the time. Like we would sing together and stuff and the beach boys and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's like some pretty quality music to have being played around the house when you're, when you're young. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so, what was uh what was the first concert you went to um my first concert i went to was um rockapella <laughs> what's you this? know uh they sang the car where in the world is carmen san diego theme song they came <laughs> you, know, you, tr you truthfully are having the best answers of, <laughs> of anyone on this show we're like we're over 100 episodes deep and you're just you're you're slaying this it was so funny uh they were coming to town and my teacher my music teacher played us all. She was playing every, cause she, it was an elementary school or whatever. So she'd play like every level of class, this rock cappella CD, like you got to go to the show. And so almost everybody went. And then the next day they took school pictures. So everyone is wearing rock cappella gear 
and the school <laughs> pictures from like 95, 96, or whenever that was. I also, I mean, I just really appreciate that you dropped Rockapella. Like, it's a household name that everyone knows. That's who did the <laughs> Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Their things. album Primer, man. I listened to that so much. I had it. And I, I, it's a common experience of people from Ponca City, where I'm from originally. Like, yeah. people my age, we all had that, that album Primer. And we all listened to it a lot. Anyway, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, did they do any other theme songs, or did they? Was that just their hit, or what happened? Um, that was their hit, but they did famously do the like Folgers ad. Do you remember Fuck. that? Yeah, like it was like the maybe early two thousands. It was some kind of like it was a the acapella best part Folger. of waking. Up yeah, yeah, it's Folgers in your. But it was like the the amped up acapella. I mean, they're all in. I don't know. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. They they did that too. I'm sure they're. They're rich, doing what they love, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I really hope that those two... I hope they were good with their money. I hope they they invested. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's incredible. Uh, so I haven't had the pleasure of of, uh, of seeing your band. Um, from what I've seen from pictures and stuff like that, you're, uh, you're just singing in the band. Did you ever play any instruments? Yeah. Um, I actually have a, another project where it's just my solo project called Randy rules. And yeah, I play, I play guitar. Okay. And, um, I played guitar for in other bands. And so this is the first band actually where I've never not, not played an instrument. And I it was always kind of a dream of mine to not have to write, worry about writing the music and just be the singer. And I yeah. wish granted. So freedom, right? Yeah, it is less worry. Yeah. Uh, how have you liked the transition so far? It's great. You know, I mean, I, I love, I, I, I clearly, you know, the, we, we talk about this a lot, like the sum of the parts of all the band has made it what it is. Like clearly the versions that we were doing before we came together and are doing what we did now was not working. You know, I do love to play guitar. I'm still, you know, I will, I'm going to play some shows. I play shows like locally, uh, Randy rules and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great not playing an instrument. I not I'm I help them carry stuff in, but I'm never worried about my gear or anything. I have to worry about my voice. Yeah. Which can be distressing sometimes. But sure. uh, what's yeah. the what style of music is the other project? Um kind of like uh experimental indie folk type music. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh have you put have you put records out or is it like a like what's how deep does it go yeah no i mean i have tons of uh self-made projects like i mean dating way back and stuff but the the two newest randy rules albums it's r-u-l-z by the way are uh those are on spotify and Bandcamp okay. and stuff sure yeah i have like an i have like a noise album under that name and stuff but the the last two are kind of more uh like moon picks cat power or julie dwaron like heart and crime or something like that like uh, some of those albums i like that kind of music a lot oh that's Tiny awesome. vipers that that album the one album they had the first one anyway. okay yeah this sounds this, that definitely sounds like something up my alley i'm uh, i'm amped to check that out um so when did you start playing guitar and how did that enter your life um when i was 13 I just begged my parents to make my big Christmas present a guitar and they got it for me. It's still, the only electric guitar I've ever owned. I still have it. Okay. And I think well, the next, the, what, sorry, go ahead. What kind of guitar is it? It's a, 
it's a Fender Stratocaster. It's a Mexican Strat, actually. It was made like in a good era. I've been told it's made in a good era for that for the the Mexico. Is it black and white? Is it red and white? What's the? It's all white, like uh, Wayne Campbell's guitar. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say the the no stairway guitar. Uh Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, What was? uh, Did you take lessons or? I did take lessons for a little while, going over to some like weird twenty-five-year-old dude's house and like you know learning, like trying to meet in the middle with what we could learn. Like his taste was so different than mine. I was like a young kid. You know, and like, so some of the first stuff I learned was like some Eagles songs and some stuff from like Mother from the Wall is a pretty uh, basic chord. You know, you just, you move those two, your index and your middle finger over to just like the G to the C9 or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah. Stuff like I, I did, I did take lessons. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. I feel like I'm, I'm trailing off here. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, (laughs) I love a trail off, but, uh, was that, were some of the songs you just named stuff that you brought or was that stuff he was trying to teach you? Because, um, you know, I I don't know what you were listening to at the time you started playing guitar that made you want to start doing it. Um, I'm assuming you moved on from rum shaker to, (laughs) to, to something else to, uh, to land you wanting to play guitar. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, at the time I was super into Creedence Clearwater Revival. Okay. like up around the band and stuff. I just really desired to like learn. I wanted to like learn how to play that and stuff. Sure. And I, I really never did. honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, but I was, I was super into like um, about when I was 13 or so, I bought washing machine. Uh, I got, Sonic I got like Siamese dream washing machine by so- uh, Sonic youth. And then, like I think never mind because I, I got into Nirvana in about ninety seven or so when okay. I, I was about seventh grade. I was born in eighty four. I don't know like if we're close in age or not. I I'm eighty three. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So like I kind of got all those records like at once, you know. And then after that, got into the Beatles and Credence a lot. So I was like into all that. That was like all I was listening to around that time when I got the guitar. And I was trying to learn how to play songs and stuff. Sure. So, yeah. Was your intro to, um, cause that was honestly the Sonic Youth record that I first bought as well. And I yeah. think what made me interested in it was I had heard they had written a song about Kurt Cobain, the junkies promise song. Mm. And that's what made me be like, Oh, like I'd always seen like them playing you know, I never got to see Nirvana or anything like that, but like I had seen obviously like the show posters and like, they have such a rich history of, you know, a lot of love for one another and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I finally dipped in, it was like for that record specifically because I was like, Oh, and there's a song about Kurt, you know, and that, that, I mean, that record's so strange too within like their discography. I, I came to realize later, like, some of the guys I play in bands with, like playing a band with, like are huge Sonic Youth fans. Mm. And when I, I remember even telling them, like, "Oh yeah, my intro to them was Washing Machine." It's like that is a uh, that is not in the top three for most people, you know? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't think everybody in the band even agrees that, that it's good. And to sure. me, it's like it's my maybe my favorite one by them, and it's, maybe it's because I first heard it, but. I just the opening because like I get chills when that that riff begins and uh uh Diamond C 
is it's one of their finest moments. It's a great Little Trouble Girl. It's a good album. Yeah. I, I like I like everything by them almost. There's a few albums I don't like, like Sonic Nurse. I think is kind of bad. Maybe uh, Thousand Leaves. I don't listen to as much anymore. But I think sure. they had kind of a perfect '80s and a near perfect '90s. Yeah, if you had to choose, so you you well, actually, you said Washington Washing Machine might be your favorite. Yeah, but I I have a lot of love for Goo. Um, I love Dirty. I, I even I love Experimental Jet Set, Trash and No Star. I think Quest for the Cup is like one of my favorite Sonic Youth. So I like. So I think that's the only that album has the only instance of an acoustic guitar on a Sonic Youth album, the first track. Yeah, and uh, Androgynous Minds on there. Uh, Bull in the Heather. It's a good, I like that album, but some people don't like that one either. Sure, sure. Um, so what uh what was the first band you did my first band (laughs) would have been me and my buddy who i haven't talked to in many years unfortunately uh uh we had a band called moses rules hell yeah (laughs) it was just like uh i thought it was sounded dumb and fun was that also r-u-l-z no it was we didn't have we weren't, uh, you know, when you're like 14 or 15 or whatever, you just, uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, and that it was just like us playing acoustic guitars. A lot of my bands have been duos and stuff. Cause then I had another band with a friend of mine and she played a uh, violin and I played acoustic guitar and that was just the band, you know? What were you uh, listening to then? That sounds like an interesting project. Was that more well, like, were you into like Saddle Creaky sort of stuff? Uh, absolutely. And uh, Bell and Sebastian, once Dude. once I got the boy with the Arab strap, that was all I cared about. And then Pavement, too, was kind of at that moment. Terror Twilight was my first album. But I remember seeing Spit on a Stranger on uh, 120 Minutes and just loving it. And then they were on that show. You remember that show Reverb on oh, HBO? What, what channel was it an mtv show it was an hbo show oh i don't know it and it was it was on for like three years maybe but they had uh keep it like a secret era built to spill was on there whoa and pavement on terror twilight tour was on there and like lots of just lots of like whoa like when i found out about that show i was like oh my god like Wait, tell me a little bit about it, though. Was it like, was it they just featured one specific band per episode or was it like, what what was the music videos? What was it? it? No, it was two bands per episode and it was live performances intercut with interview footage. Whoa. Flaming Flaming Lips were on there, uh, like Soft Bulletin era. I mean, that was 99, 98 or whatever. That was a real prime time for me getting into that kind of music and stuff. But Oh, for sure. Yeah, that I mean, especially because that time on MTV would have just been like the TRL era. Yeah, just Limp Bizkit, Corn, and pop bands. So yeah. or like pop, you know, <laughs> pop artists. So that sounds like a nice breakaway. Also, shout out to HBO for taking a chance on like that's you know having that be the forefront when that's like not what was in the popular mainstream. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's. I that I don't know. I don't think it's on HBO Max, but I bet it's all on uh, Hulu. You know, I bet it's worth seeking out because definitely uh, the Built to Spill episode, especially, is just is beautiful. Watching them play the plan, you know, like yeah, in like '98, it's like it's pretty fabulous. Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey. 
Are you in a band? Do you run a label? Or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun. You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started, and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at anchorfishprinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. Being in Oklahoma City, was was many of those tours coming through there or were you traveling to like Dallas to see some of that stuff? You know, we kind of run hot and cold here. Uh, we had a great venue that I don't think since the pandemic has been really open too much called Opolis in Norman. And they would pull in, like I saw uh, the Shins there, like before the second album came out, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a lot. I've seen lots of lots of good there. We had like a lot of uh, Jason Lowenstein came and then Sevado came after that as a, a two piece playing with drums recorded on a little boom box that was a oh, wow. crazy show uh but yeah um so sometimes to answer your question sometimes stuff like that would come through built to spill actually comes through all the time they play okay. we have a kind of a, a bigger old school weird venue out and kind of it's in the middle of the city but it also feels like you're in the middle of nowhere called the diamond ballroom and built to spill comes out there i actually saw a show with built to spill and the meat puppets. And that was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life Wow! at the diamond ballroom. Damn. That's awesome. Uh, and especially, I mean, I, I'm sure the getting into that saddle Creek stuff was kind of nice because you probably had some kinship, fe- the feeling of like kinship with them, them being all from Nebraska. Is that fair to say? That is incredibly fair to say. And I saw Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks uh, play in Oklahoma City and Bright Eyes opened. This would be Fevers and Mirrors Damn. era, right before uh, A Holy Fools came out. And Connor came out and talked to me and my friend Bree, who I was in state of our band State of Maine. It's a yeah. John Irving reference. Uh, <laughs> uh, he talked to us for like an hour or something. He was the nicest dude ever. He was like, he, he was 19 or something. Yeah. And then later, when Lifted came out, we went down to Dallas and saw him. He wasn't going to come out at all and talk to anybody, but we brought the picture of us as all like little babies, like just from two years ago or whatever. But like, it just, he looked a lot different, you know, and we yeah. showed it and they like took it backstage and he came out and talked to us for like 30 minutes at that show. So Damn. I, I don't, I don't know. Like he was very nice to me. That was a very, that was very strange as a teenager to meet Connor Oberst. And we all like all three of us connected and talked for like a long time. It was, it was kind of weird. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, you and I being so close in age too, and then realizing also that Connor is close in age to us as well. It's like, mm-hmm. that's a kind of an affirming thing too, where you're like, holy shit, like this, this person's making this happen and look how young, you know, like we're all the same age, you know, like yeah. that's a, a super cool thing. I was, I, I'm like you, like I was such a massive fan at that time when I didn't get to see him on the fevers tour. Because I think like the week that record came out, I bought like two other CDs that same week. And that was, and admittedly, I'll be honest, the opening track of Fevers and Mirrors is kind of hard to digest on your first listen. It's like a pretty dense, long, very slow song. But a friend of mine, I think had maybe introduced me, like I had played me calendar hung itself. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Like that's- that was my first song I heard. And that yeah. Was like, so I was oh, like, oh my is- God. 
connecting to me as an angry teenager like totally totally so like uh but i think i was into the other cds maybe i bought a little more and then so he was playing in la that week and i didn't go and and it was like i'm pretty sure it was i think it was him touring on fevers and also on the bill was cursive and the faint and like cursive was touring on domestica the faint was touring on dance macabre so i was like I was just a fucking moron. It stresses going. me out. <laughs> I know, right? So I think Dead Domestica go. is one of the best rock albums of all time. It's Dude. extremely underrated. I, best, some of the best guitar interplay ever. I've never seen so that. good. So yeah. good. Um, so then when he came back, it was for Lifted. And literally, I went three nights in a row. He did like two nights in LA and then I drove yeah. to San Diego because I was like, I fucked up so bad last time <laughs> that I'm not, whatever. Um, I think that's his best album, probably. Lifted? Lifted. Yeah, I like that one. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I I remember thinking the production was a big step up, and it was just like... But I love the Sun Ambulance, A Holy Fool's Split. I think that's my favorite thing, maybe, because I love those songs. Sun Ambulance, Katie Come True and all that. Oh, my God. Really really good, yeah. Something tells me if uh, if you and I lived in proximity together, we you and I would have been pretty good pals. We would have been buddies, yeah. We would have been buddies. We probably would have played some pretty bad music together. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, we got to uh, a bunch of years ago. Now at this point, uh, we we for some reason were asked to play Coachella. And it was like the year that a bunch of like actual punk, like Built Spill, Desperacitos, all these bands were on it. Um, so they invited us to do uh, two shows around it. So we played and it was like Desperacitos, Touche and Joyce Manor in L.A. and San Francisco. Awesome. I like have the show poster like framed on my wall over here because it's like never in my wildest dreams that I get. To, did I think I'd get to like share a stage with that dude and like. We didn't get to know each other very well. He was always kind of surrounded by a bunch of people and like kind mm-hmm. of seemed like everybody wanted his attention all the time. So I wasn't going to add to that. Right. But the few, few conversations that we had, he was, like you said, just like still such a such an insanely sweet person that I was like, it's all I needed. I just needed a hello <laughs> and a goodbye. And even to hear him say our name on stage, like, hey, give it up for. I was like, holy shit. Like, uh-huh. guys. Uh- that so album too is amazing. That first Desaparecidos album, I, I wore that out. That came out around the same time as Control by Peter the Lion. True, and they're kind of similar in theme, you know. And we we just listened to both of those like so much in junior year or whenever that came out. You're absolutely right. I never actually thinking about the the proximity of them being released, and then also the subject matter, uh-huh. record label stuff, and whatever else. That means, yeah, wow, what a what a formidable time. <laughs> indeed um so uh what was the first show you ever played was it with the the moses rules band <laughs> no it was just this band state of maine um which was my friend brie playing violin and at that point yep. we were a three-piece uh uh my friend danny weaver who had a band called power pyramid i don't know if you ever heard um, that band but they're they kind of had like a little buzz a little while ago around okc they're kind of a shoegaze they're not kind of a shoegaze band. They are shoegaze. They are shoegaze band. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we played at some weird little Christian coffee shop or something. It was, it was, it didn't go too well, but it, it was still our first show. You know, we did it. So sure. What do you, uh, and were you singing in that band? Yeah. And we weren't a Christian band. We didn't realize it was a Christian establishment until it was too late, honestly. <laughs> I like until it was too late. I like the idea of maybe you're on stage, you're playing and you're like looking around the room and suddenly it starts 
coming to your attention uh, yeah. little by little. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, what do you remember from the show? Um, Aside I remember that, getting off time, big time, and then talking to the guy who was some crunchy, like hippie dude about playing again, maybe. And he was like, no. Nah. but i think we met at that show um we met this guy from norman who was in this indie rock band a local band called uh power kid adventures and he he ended up getting us a lot of shows at this really divey bar called the blue note that would let me i was like 17 but they'd let me play in there if my mom came to the show my mom was was real supportive and stuff of like performing out and stuff like that when i when i was a kid yeah but uh, that's really sweet yeah but so that kind of led to a summer of playing some shows and it, it culminated we played that band put open for quintron do you remember quintron from bulb records he's like I don't a, know if I know that. it's he's a weird like if you like john spencer and that kind of stuff he's sure. like a deep weird a weirdo you know playing organ and it's super weird music. And then Mates of State, we played it. We opened for them too. That was like a big deal when we were kids. You know, remember that band, Mates of State? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, they were also a two piece, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. I, I'm sure like the local booker was like, well, this makes sense. This is our local version of That's exactly that. how that shit went down, actually. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, what about, uh, what about recording? Um, do, what was your first recording experience ever? Um, well, I used to have a, a Panasonic little tape recorder, you know, that you just put the tape in and like hit recorders like my dad's, but he had like a few of them. I think my dad was a minister, so I think he got it from church or whatever. We had like a f- weird one that was like, it's okay for you to just like have this or whatever. Sure. And anyway, I would record like my first album, which is lost to time completely is like me recording my room with like a bunch of different noises happening and me going around the room and like turning on clocks or TVs or whatever. And like, so it's just like (laughs) kind of an abstract, like noise album or whatever, but that, yeah, that's my first recording, I think. And then I recorded a lot of like, I'm a huge, or at the time, at least I was a huge mountain goats fan. Okay. And uh, I think he, I had the same tape recorder that he recorded a lot of those some of those earlier records on did you, you like know, learn what he was using and then seek it out no it was just a happy accident whoa really yeah yeah damn um but and then re- i mean yeah anyway go ahead so no, well no. what i was gonna ask was what about um actually maybe going to a recording studio did any of your bands end up doing that um no i've always been very um into doing it myself there was a period of time where we have a, it's actually the studio we use now. It's Stan has a guest house behind his house and it's been an apartment for a lot of our friends. And it was a, a studio called dust house for several years before it was reverted to an apartment. And then now is our studio again, but it's not, I don't know. I guess it is still dust house, but um, if you go to dusthousestudio.bandcamp.com, the whole history of that, there's all these local bands did singles and stuff were recorded there. And there, I didn't have as much power in the production and stuff. So that was sort of a weird period for me. I mean, I'm I'm not 
I'm proud of some of that stuff that came out, but I do truly like to be in control. But with Chat Pile, Austin, you know, I mean, he he's open to feedback and stuff. We all kind of get what we want. And I also try to be easy in the band, you know, because yeah. in the past I haven't been easy, you know, just like trying to be more mature and stuff <laughs> with this band, I guess. But well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you really do enjoy diving into the creative process and all aspects of it. That seems like an, something that you've always sort of embraced. Where do you think that came from? Um, I don't know. It's just sort of how I am. I don't feel like I'm too good at a lot of things, you know, but I do really enjoy creating things. I mean, I've done music is kind of my primary mode of doing um, creating and stuff, but I'm, I'm very interested in film too. I've made some shorts and I plan on making more and making video, maybe making a video for, I mean, we've had all these other people make videos for us and stuff. I, I think maybe I should make a video, try, try to, try to get what I want, you know? Yeah. Not, not that I'm unhappy with any of the videos, but sometimes it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know? <laughs> when, uh, when it comes to making shorts and stuff, are you, are you renting cameras and get, and like, do you have a crew that you work, that you can rely on that are like friends that are interested in the same stuff or how's that go? Well, um, back when we made, we made a few back, back when like 2013 through 2016, maybe I made a couple shorts with my, uh, former girlfriend and she was in, um, like a production class classes and stuff at, um, a local community college, which is actually run by Great Fredrickson, who is the producer of The Godfather and Ladybugs. Whoa! But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, she had access to like a lot of good equipment and stuff, and so we used those cameras. I think going forward, I'll be using iPhones exclusively, you know. But I I I truly do believe that uh, you know artistic ambition trumps. Uh, equipment always you know you can you can make something with nothing you know if you if you i don't know if you can do it you know <laughs> you know what i mean i don't i don't know there's a way better way to say that but you no, know I, I i mean i think you nailed it that's i mean it's a classic you know um desperation creates innovation sort of situation you know like yeah. that's that's completely true um and then uh what about so you mentioned, you know, you've, it's, you've seems like you've put a lot of, a lot of music out over the years. What was, um, I usually say like, what was your first album you put out or like, or, uh, or released you had, were you putting out a lot of stuff digitally or were you doing cassettes? Were you doing, did you have stuff on vinyl? Uh, no, my first, the first thing that has ever been on vinyl with, with my voice on it is, uh, the chat pile EPs that reptilian put out. But, uh, we uh our first <laughs> records the state of maine me and me and yeah. brie were on um cdrs and we the first thing was on a slimline case and we were like this is chintzy and we hate it and so we bought real jewel cases and stuff we bought we also bought a Tascam mk3 uh 424 i think that was the, the full specs or whatever but uh and like i used that for many albums after we broke up and i was just doing my own thing and stuff but uh yeah uh we would mainly just i really cdrs until uh you know last 10 years i have been exclusively been releasing stuff digitally okay but i'm kind of interested in maybe going back and putting some of that stuff on cassette you know what now that i think about it stan 
way back when had a record label called Nerd Party Records, and he put out my third solo album, my, my fourth or whatever, yeah. uh, under the name Speed Falcon. <laughs> no emotion. He put that out on a cassette. So okay. I'm wrong, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so where does where does Chat Pile start? Like, where does this, where does the idea for this start? What are, what are, uh, are these people that you've known in your life for a long time or? Yeah, I've known Stan and Captain Ron for, I mean, I'm 30, I'm about to be 38. So I've probably known them for about 18 years. Yeah. Um, we've tried to make music before and it didn't really work. Uh, me and, Actually, I mean, both brothers have been in the movies. We made this movie. It's like my epic. It's horrible. It's it's like 40 minutes called Your Nightmare is My Fantasy. And Captain Ron is a really good guitar player. He's a great just instrumentalist. And he came over and did. I was like, man, have you seen Lethal Weapon? I need some like Clapton blues style, like interstitial music and stuff. And he just like laid it all down for me and stuff. So I knew I could work with him. Me and Austin Stin. I've tried before and fail. Like he, he kind of played bass with my band for like one practice and it did not work out my old band. But with, I think Luther Manhole is the X factor. He is a newer friend. He's a little bit younger than all of us by a few. He's in his thirties still, but he's on the other end of his thirties. And, um, he and Austin or Stan just have, they speak kind of a telepathic musical language with each other about metal and what they have similar tastes. I think about what they want to hear in metal, heavy music and stuff like that. And then Stan and Captain Ron have been their brothers. They've been playing music in other bands for all this time for all this stuff. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just a a confluence of (laughs) all these, these talented people that have been working together. Like we just figured out the formula somehow to make it, it fly for a little while at least, you know. And so. when did it actually start? Was it 2018? Because I saw the first EP stuff started coming out in 2019. 2019 is the year. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Dunge- yeah, Dungeon. That's like a few months after we formed. And then Remove Your Skin is just a few months after that, I think. Yeah, it looks like they both yeah. came out within, you know, a, a certain amount of time together. And then where did your relationship with uh, Reptilian start? Because they're an East Coast label. Uh, are they? I thought they were. Okay. Okay. I don't well, know, actually. Chris X, do, I know he lives in Austin now, but like. Oh, okay. I think, I think they, they may have started in like Baltimore or something like that. But it, yeah. Yeah. People are allowed to move, I suppose. <laughs> uh, he, we met him at uh, the No Coast Festival that happens in Denton. We, I guess, are just going to play every No Coast that happens from now on. <laughs> I, I love it. It's fun. But we are playing again. Uh, okay. Ken mode is playing the night we're playing. It's going to be a lot of fun, but, um, we, yeah, we met, uh, Chris at the, the no coast we played and he was like, I want to put out the EPs and whatever. And we were, we were pretty much just like, okay, sounds good. You know, I mean, reptilian is, uh, I don't know. They put out some cool stuff and whatever. So they, they did a good job and helped us out by putting it out. Yeah. 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 I, I'm, uh, I'm actually bummed that I, that I, I, I don't know how I somehow missed that those uh that, that that those EPs went up on vinyl. I was like looking that up earlier. I was like, holy fuck, I thought these were just like digital things and, and missed out on yeah. the uh it should be the, available through Reptilian still. 
like from what I could see, maybe. what I could see, but I think they're, I think those things are all sold out. So congratulations on, uh, on all of that, which is sick. Uh, um, there may yeah. be another pressing coming. Who knows? But okay, yeah. most likely, yeah, I would like to hope so for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always knew about reptilian because of I think like through like page ninety nine. Like I was always a big page ninety nine yeah. fan. Where did your relationship with even portrayal of guilt start? Did you guys meet at that that kind of festival too? Because you're not, you guys are, I guess, kind of close between Texas and obviously Oklahoma. Um, somehow, uh, Matt King from Portrayal, he got wind of our band from in the EPs from the when the EPs were out, and he he messaged and Stin runs like most of our social media and stuff, and they just started talking about corn. I think it was through social media, but it might have been at a show or something. But they they bonded through corn and new metal and stuff. And they're they're really good guys. Uh we played several shows with them. I'm sure we'll play more with sure. them. Sure. We played an insane house show with them that was truly unhinged. Where at? Uh somewhere in like northern Austin. Okay. I have no idea where we were. We were in like a neighborhood. <laughs> like it was, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, I love those. I absolutely love those guys. We, uh, we, we did a Europe. We did Europe with them in Deaf Heaven a couple, uh, in 2019. Before, like, it was like our last big European tour Hell before yeah. the pandemic, and just had just the best time. That I enjoy their presence so much. Has Chat Pile been able to do much touring? Well. We don't really desire uh, to tour. You know, we we kind of had planned. I think bef- right when the pan- before the pandemic, we had a plan to do like a short tour. We're never probably going to tour more than like five days, five dates, you know, in a row, because it's just uh, everybody has just all these responsibilities and stuff. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm 37. I'm about to be 38. I'm not even the oldest person in the band you know so uh i mean in a perfect world i'd love to be able to to do that but i also i I don't know i i get a little worn out i've never i had never played out of the okc metro really you know save maybe like a stillwater show here or there until this band (laughs) so i'm I'm just not, I'm not a road dog, you know, I'm, I'll admit it. I'm just not, I'm not ready to, to, to live that life. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could happily do it. I know I couldn't happily do it. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Wow. By design, I don't think we're going to tour a lot, you know. I can only imagine since the release of God's Country, how much you might be getting hit up to tour. Like I, I, it, it just, I, I would imagine every band is trying to get you to to come out with them right now. I mean, your 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 band is certainly on my radar as like a oh next time we do something I would love I would absolutely you'd be in the the top list of like bands we would hit up. So this is important information to hear now. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, I we can things can change, you know, if opportunity if the stars align, which they sure. do, they do sometimes align, you know, and you can like work out a show or something like for instance uh ken mode is coming down they wanted to play like they're doing a kind of a tour on the way down to no coast and we're going to play that okc show with them and our friends uh nerver and big hand big knife uh they're like they wanted to do a show and we're just like yeah we can do like a tulsa show or something but yeah uh 
and yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna hit the coast at. I mean, we we are doing actually, of course, yeah, we're doing that those New York shows or whatever in October. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I certainly yeah, we would I would love to play with you and your band you know, uh, if that opportunity arises. Yeah, for sure. Has uh, have you been? Have you like? traveled much in your life like have you been able to 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 see new york or anything like that or is this gonna be your first time you know i have been to i've been to new york a few times i've only been on manhattan uh in manhattan i've never been to brooklyn which i I believe is where the shows are at but shows i have now i have no expectation of being able to do anything or really enjoy the city now that i played a few dates yeah. yeah we played in chicago and it was just like I mean, it's just, you wish we kept talking about going to the bean. <laughs> I kept talking about source code. Have you seen that uh-huh. movie? Oh my God. I haven't with seen Jake it. But it ends with the to bean. a podcast where it was referenced, which is really funny. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like there was a, a podcast that were, it was like, ta- it was for bullet train, but they were talking about the best train movies. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Did you listen to that? It was the, the big, no, I haven't, podcast. but oh. I, I love a train movie and I think I love source code. Yeah, so I I don't think I I mean I haven't seen it probably since it came out, but it was like yeah, someone on their list put put that because I guess it takes place on a train. So yeah, but it ends at the Bean, and I I just kept talking about the Bean, like we got to go get our picture at the Bean, and my joke was going to be like this cool thing that they made for the movie Source Code, you know, and I I talked about it on stage, but we didn't get to go <laughs> see the Bean, you know, that was a little demoralizing to me. So I'm not building up my expectations of doing anything besides maybe eating the nearest pizza I can walk to when I'm in Brooklyn, you know, but it'll be fun. There you go. I saw that. I mean, yeah, I saw, you know, Chapel, all of the production credits are, you know, that you guys recorded on this yourselves. Did you guys also record the, uh, the brutal truth song for that split yourself? Or was that with somebody else? That is the only song that is not recorded by, uh, Stan. Yeah. Well, he He's really on the controls. I mean, we all have input, but he's the one sitting at the computer doing it. Sure. Um, so you yeah, did that with that someone was, named Michael Michael Briggs. That's right, and his dang it, I wish I could just roll his studio off the tongue because I want that guy that he deserves business. He, maybe you look that up and put it in the notes too. But uh, he's in Denton, and he's Matt King's buddy. Okay, and uh, I guess or they'd worked with him before. Yeah, and we went up and yeah, just recorded. That was like in twenty twenty. That was pretty much during like the crazy crazier times of covid and stuff when we did that that's cool so you guys both all wore masks in the house (laughs) when we recorded that i think so i think we so like both your bands showed up together and we're like let's just knock out our songs together yeah uh i think denton is just kind of a logical middle point between austin and okc too it's about three hours two and a half maybe yeah that makes total sense uh did was it just like a, a couple days or did you guys like knock it out in like two days or something like that or one day one day yep that's awesome we got in there civil audio recording thank you civil audio hit that guy up he's he's good he does good work uh he worked with us a lot we made him mix that song about a billion times because (laughs) when you don't have when you're not the ones in control we want him to have his signature on it and also for it to match the portrayal song but we also were very particular yeah uh, about how 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 it sounded and he worked with us a lot that was it was a good experience well you definitely made a lot of right decisions because it's certainly you know 
op- opened a lot of people up. So, you know, myself included. I was seriously so blown away by that song. Um, how did your relationship with the uh, the Flinsers start? They hit us up, I believe. Stan is sort of the de facto manager of the band. Sure. He is very type A and I'm type weed or whatever, you know. I <laughs> I'm just like I'm the Michelangelo of the turtle of the band, you know what I mean? Sure. Uh but uh so he was talking to them and then uh every I mean, I to be honest with you, I didn't really know what the Flinzer was. Sure or uh any of the bands on them when we first started talking to him but i listened to death consciousness and i listened to below the house by planning for burial and they're both terrific records and i mean it was easy i mean i was just like i'm pretty i tried like i said i tried to be easy in the band if i can you know yeah uh and so i was just like yeah let's do it if everyone thinks this is a good idea let's do it and it's been a great it's been great i, I love being on the flinzer i especially with all the other um like the um succumb and cremation lily some of the newer stuff that's been coming out it's i'm honored to be in that sequence you know of absolutely yeah i mean there's their discography is so so deep and there's so many bands that like when I, whenever there's a band that i'm actually familiar with and i i mean i'm like very taken back by the quality that label has and like it definitely has their ear to the ground with some very um uh, incredibly well done like you know death metal or or like black metal stuff or like ambient stuff you know it's like it's seriously all over the place like doom stuff like it's yeah the few the few friends that i know that have put out you know like uh death heaven did a split uh on that um and then george from death heaven introduced me to a record called like uh from an artist named like boat off songs i don't know if you've checked that out uh-uh. uh that there's a record on there that is it's unbelievable it's like it's i think you would be into it it's it's more uh experimental sort of you know okay yeah it's Hell yeah it's, it's real real cool um well dan dude let me hit you with uh with the last question which is when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards um honestly the moment <laughs> is kind of embarrassing to say i love maybe, it but when we got reviewed by pitchfork i just i just like cried you know, I was like alone in my house. <laughs> like, I, like I said, I'm 37. So I, I was, I've been reading Pitchfork since the beginning. I don't always agree with them. In fact, I often hate read their stuff or I used to, and, and actually going back, it's not super well-written. Like it felt like it was, you know, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, uh um, it was just a big deal. I don't know to see our album get a good review in a publication that I've been reading for twenty years. Not even. It, uh, I just had not, te- tears not even just a good like rolling review. down my face. Not know? even a good review. An outstanding review. You Absolutely. got best new music. Yeah, I, I, I'm very honored. To, I mean, I know reviews don't mean anything, but again, I've been playing music for over twenty years with a little, very little recognition. So it was, it was very surreal. You know, I don't know yeah. that. That was a crazy moment for sure. And there's a thing that, you know, really does happen to where everybody likes to put on the, you know, pitchfork doesn't matter. Like, it's just, a you know, why should you listen to what a critic said? All of that sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You can feel that way. And, and I often feel that way too and blah, blah, blah. But when a band that is within, you know, our world and our world, meaning anything aggressive gets 
that kind of attention and that kind of appreciation from it from something that large because it does matter like pitchfork like I, we don't want to pretend it doesn't matter but like people will check things out if they see it get a great review so like yeah. i completely get it man like it's <laughs> it, it's it does feel really 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 damn good to see when that things like that happen and like and when i was bringing up like the within our world thing like everybody within this world loves to see someone win like that you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying like like you just see the support come out and be like fuck yes that's awesome this record is good and it's cool to see it get the love it deserves yeah truly yeah it was just i don't know it was crazy crazy moment absolutely um well like i said it's deserved this was i, I was so excited to uh have the opportunity to talk with you today it's uh I, I feel like you and i have a hell of a lot in common so i look forward to uh our paths potentially crossing one day i'd love that that'd be wonderful fuck yeah all right man have a good rest of your day you too see it And that is our show. Thank you so much to Reagan for coming on and thank you for listening. Reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now. Head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to access that. And uh, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye bye.